If you would turn to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and we're just going to read at this time one verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, amen. We read Paul's letter to those who are in Christ and in Rome. When you get there, say, got it. And if you're not there yet, just say, wait. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And the precious, holy, magnificent, pure word of God reads, therefore, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just going to read that one more time. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord. Jesus Christ. Amen. And touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, we have been justified and you ought to be satisfied. Touch somebody else and say, neighbor, we have been justified and you ought to be satisfied. Amen. You may be seated in the precious name of Jesus. Today we continue our series from death to glory, from death to glory, speaking about how God has saved us from a sentence of death as a result of our sins and how he is going to continue to work in us until we get to glory. Amen. Today, in the midst of this congregation, there is someone who is holding themselves in condemnation. There is someone whose relationship with God has been extremely downcast as a result of them not forgiving themselves after God has already forgiven them. There is a Christian in here who still condemns themselves daily for a decision that they made 10 years ago that they knew was not right. There is a woman in here who is is possibly still struggling with the fact that they went to an abortion clinic before they came to know Christ. And they are hanging their their heads low and, and, and not praising and worshiping God because they feel as if they still aren't worthy to praise his name. There is someone in here who committed infidelity, who committed some, some grave sin, and who will not lift up their eyes unto the Lord and will not pursue God in faith because there is condemnation hanging over their head 
At least they think. Satan has a way of accusing us. In fact, the Bible says that he is our adversary, and the word Satan literally means the, the one who accuses, the one who comes against. Someone in here has a hard time with God because they have a, a hard time with themselves. And there's someone in here today who, who sinned just a, a week ago, a month ago, a, a day ago, four hours ago, and, and who stand before God's presence even though they, they sincerely repented but are standing before God's presence fearing that a curse is upon them. Many people live that way. Many Christians live that way. They, they said, you know, I did this when I was younger, and, and as a result, I, I, I'm not getting the job that I applied for because God is still upset with me. Or, or, or God is getting me back now with this sickness or this ailment because when I was younger, I, I did not truly have faith in him. Oh, the reason I can't have kids is because I didn't wait till I was, was married. Or, or the reason I don't have the, the family that I would want to have is because God still is, is getting me back from my, my sins of the past. And today's verse lets us know that that is absolutely, positively not true. Romans chapter 4 and chapter 5 lets us know that Satan's accusations against the righteous have no place because we have been justified by faith. Romans chapter 5 starts off by saying, therefore... In chapter 4, the Apostle Paul has just begun to explain or, or to, to break down uh, uh, what it means to be justified to the church at Rome. He lets them know that we are not justified by our works, but rather we are justified by our faith. And he points to Abraham and shows that Abraham did not become a child of God by when he was circumcised. Abraham's relationship did not become authentic with God when he did some type of work. But Abraham's relationship with God became authentic the moment he had faith in what God had said. And the Bible says, and it was counted to him as righteousness. What does it mean to be justified? To be justified means to be declared righteous. To be justified means to be declared righteous. We are justified the moment we turn to Christ in faith and forsake the love of our sins. The Bible says that instantaneously that God justifies us, that, that he declares us as righteous. It's a one-time act with an ongoing blessing. We have been justified by faith. And the results of justification by faith is peace with God. Peace is a good thing, y'all. Amen. 
Peace is a great thing. Peace is what, what every human being in some ways is seeking. Peace with God comes from God declaring us as righteous. You know, yesterday I had the opportunity to share the gospel with the family. And as I was sharing the gospel with the family, I asked the family a question. I said, if you were to, to die today, would you stand before God as your judge or as your father? And after they pondered and thought about it, this one lady in the family, she said, well, I will stand before God as one of his children. He will be my father. And I said, well, that's, that could be good news that you believe that. I said, well, why do you believe that? And she says, because I am a good person. This notion from humans that says that we are good people is a, 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 an idea that we draw from because we think that we do more good than we do evil. And, and as she said that, she said it with sincerity because she felt that she did more good than she had done evil. And the lady beside her, who was her daughter, said the same thing. I'm a good person. But the Bible teaches us that there is really no such thing as a good person. And the way in which we can say that and establish that is by holding ourselves up to the law of God. If we say that we are good people, it is normally because we are going by a law that we created ourselves and not by a law or the law which was revealed in Scripture. How many of you are familiar with the Ten Commandments? And, and the Ten Commandments is a good summary of what is called the, the law of God, the, the moral law of God. Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, he says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Paul says that there is no such thing as a good person because no human being can be justified or declared righteous by the law. Because no human being can perfectly keep the law. Am I right about it? David said it this way in Psalm chapter 51 and verse 9. He says, I was born into iniquity. He says, I will, from my mother's womb, from her, her matrix, I was born a lawbreaker. Ten commandments. God lifts up the law, the, the, the fifth commandment, that you should honor your mother and your father. Who here has perfectly obeyed their parents? Huh? The word of God says that we should not lie, that we should always speak the truth. Who here has never told a lie? 
Go ahead, raise your hand so I can call you a liar. Okay. Word of God says that we should not commit adultery. Some of us are saying, oh man, pastor, don't go there. Others are saying, well, I've never done that. Well, to the ones who said that I've never done that, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount said that adultery is not, not only just physical, huh? Laying with a person, but he says it's looking with a lustful intent. Law tells us that we should not murder. And I suspect that not many people in here has physically committed murder. But everybody in here has killed somebody with what they said or what they have done. We are lying, adulterous, murdering, can I throw in stealing, coveting human beings. And that's just five of the Ten Commandments. But when we look at ourselves in light of the law, we see that we truly are not righteous. Revelations 21 and 8 says that all liars shall have their partake in the lake of fire and brimstone. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And James says in James chapter 2 verse 10 that he who sins against God, he breaks or is accountable to the whole law. So to a person who thinks that they in themselves can stand before God on the day of judgment because they are righteous, they really don't understand the depravity in which they have imputed from Adam. We have received the nature of our first parents. And the Bible tells us that we are totally depraved. There is no good thing, Paul says, within me. Psalm that we love. The earth is the Lord's, the, the fullness thereof, the world, and they who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the waters and established it upon the seas. Who shall ascend into the holy hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his, in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And we say that and we praise. We, we say that and we are just excited. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that, that that's not a psalm of praise until the end. Because nobody has pure hands and a clean heart. That's why the psalmist concludes, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. The psalmist was saying that our hope is not in our hands. Our hope is in a, a Messiah to come. Isaiah helps us. In Isaiah chapter 45, we read that God, from the beginning of the creation of the world, had a plan to give lawbreakers a chance to be righteous. From the foundation of the earth, God had a plan to give those who break the law a chance to be declared righteous by him. But the problem is, Proverbs 17 and 15, 
The problem is, is that anyone who declares a wicked person righteous, the Lord says, is an abomination. So we have attention. How can God, who is holy, declare a wicked people righteous and not be an abomination to himself? I'm going to say that again. Amen. How can a holy God declare a wicked people to be righteous and not be an abomination to himself? Isaiah said it this way. We see a promise in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 25. It says, in the Lord, all of the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. God was telling the prophet Isaiah that I, I have a plan and it's going to come in the future. One day, all of the offspring of Israel shall be declared righteous and shall, shall glory. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11, God gets a, a little more specific when he says, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Did you catch that? God was telling Israel that one day there will come a righteous servant who will take your sins upon him so that you can glory. What does it mean to glory? So that you can meet my standard. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the standard of the Lord. And I don't think I need to stand here and tell you who the servant is who came to bear our sins. Some call him the advocate. Some call him the alpha and omega. Some call him Emmanuel. Some call him the, the God of hosts or the Lord of hosts. Some call him Hosanna. Some call him the rock of the ages. Some call him the bridegroom. But you know what I like to call him? I like to call him what my mother first told me to call him. Jesus, <laughs> the name above all names. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, And he made him who knew no sin. What did he make him to do? To become sin for us. Why? In order that we might become the righteousness of God. How does a, a holy God look at a wicked people and call them justified? He does it by allowing his son to take the wrath that they deserve and bear their sins upon his shoulders. The Bible says that it's not done as a result of our works but it's done as a result of our faith. Look quickly at Romans chapter 5, verse... 
sorry, Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 lets us know how we are justified. How we receive the one who bore our sins. And the word of God says, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised, you got that? For our justification. When one looks at the resurrection of Jesus Christ in faith, one becomes justified. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says, since therefore we have now been justified, declared righteous by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. One becomes justified. One becomes able to be declared righteous by God when one looks at the, the blood of Jesus in faith. When one sees what the glory of Calvary and say, when he died, my sins were taken away. But not just the moment of, at Calvary, but the, the resurrection. He says we become justified when we look to the resurrection with hope and with faith. God declares us righteous. When we look to God in faith, he credits the perfect, holy, and righteous life that Jesus lived to our account. And what we ought to do is to consider it as a robe of righteousness. As a robe of righteousness. The moment we come to Christ, God takes a, the robe of righteousness. He takes Christ's righteousness and he imputes it or he puts it upon us. He takes the, the, the beauty and the holiness of Christ and he allows it to become a, a part of us. He declares us righteous. He declares us righteous. Even as we go throughout our days and we may feel unrighteous, God declares us righteous. He hides our righteousness with Christ's righteousness. He covers our disobedience with Christ's obedience. The teaching of justif justification by faith is the core of the gospel. If we miss the fact that Christ's righteousness is now our righteousness, then we miss a, a major part of the gospel. Many people don't understand justification by faith or, or we don't look to Christ's righteousness as our own. And as a result, we feel like God is our judge rather than our father. Every time we sin, we go into a, a deep depression. Every time we, we're wrestling with something, we, we lose hope. And it just we, we wonder if we're really saved. And we begin to talk to ourselves in a, in a negative way. And we feel so dirty and so, so grimy to the point that we feel like giving up all hope because we don't realize that God has satisfied our account with the account of Christ. It's like a woman who gets married. 
And as she's marrying a, a man, and as she marries this man, she then finds out that this man has, is a multimillionaire. And in his bank account is millions and millions and millions of dollars. Even though she may not feel like a millionaire right away, because it's not her, she should be able to rejoice knowing that that account is now her account. So when Christ lived in this earth, he was righteous and obedient to the point of death. Now his righteousness, when we become his bridegroom, when we hook up with his people, when we come to his church, when we sing his praises, it's declared as our righteousness. His bank account is our bank account. The Bible says we are a new creation. All things have passed away, and, and behold, all things become new. The moment we trust in Christ by, by faith, there is a, a newness that takes place, and, and the newness is not necessarily a, a cleansing from all of our sin. No, we still have an old man, an old nature that we're going to have to deal with, that, but that newness is a declaration by, by Christ and by God that, that your identity is now found in me it's not found in you it's found in me we become one in Christ so Paul said in Galatians there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male and there is no female for you all are one in Christ. When we come to Christ, we become a new creation. We become a part of Christ. We become his body and his holiness covers his body. Some people hear this and they say, well, that gives me a license to sin. If Christ's righteousness becomes my righteousness, then why I fight sin? And the person who draws that conclusion by looking at the fact that God has justified them is a person who does not understand the cost of salvation. See, while salvation was a gift to us, it cost Christ his life. And when he went on Calvary's cross, he, he went with our sins on him. And even though it is a gift, salvation is not cheap. And that's why we don't just go on doing anything that we want to do after we confess faith in Christ. And if we do, it's because we really have not confessed faith in Christ possibly. He who spurns the blood of Christ is he who does not appreciate the blood of Christ. When someone gives us a gift of value, we don't just mistreat that gift. We don't do anything with that gift. When these ministers put their money together and give me a BMW 745 as a gift, I'm going to take care of it. Why? Because I, I appreciate its value and I appreciate their hard work for it. That's why we don't continue in sin because we see that Christ has taken a punishment that we deserve. 
The righteousness of Christ is imputed or put upon us. It is declared upon us. It becomes a part of us. And that's why the psalmist uh, David said in Psalm chapter 32, verse 1, he said, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Do you see your sin as being covered? Do you see your transgressions as being forgiven? Or are you still holding yourself in condemnation? There's some people who don't come to Christ and who won't come to Christ because they think that God is evil or that God is just waiting to pay them back or that they don't really deserve the love of God. And I come by to tell you today, you are absolutely, positively right. We don't deserve the the love of God, but that's why we are saved by grace through faith nobody in here deserves to be forgiven for what we have done against the holy God but we serve a God that's so loving we serve a God that's so awesome we serve a God that's so big that he's able to look at our sins and say my child you are forgiven you ought to stop holding yourself in condemnation about something that you did five and ten years ago God has thrown that thing in a sea of forgetfulness and a Bible says that he remembers it touch somebody and say no more when we repent and turn and trust in Christ our account our debt account it is satisfied Jesus is the ransom that makes us whole and it's all a part of his blood what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other found I know nothing but the blood of Jesus and this is my righteousness what is it my works what is it my degree what is it my job what is it my smile what is it my hobo hobo Ashanda no what makes me whole is the righteousness of Christ our works can't please God but what pleases God is faith when we look through the gospels Jesus was trying to get people to see that that is there your faith that makes you whole he was trying to get us to see that that he is a, a gracious God and when we look to him in faith he cleanses us you remember the woman who was an adulterer the Pharisees and the religious leader threw her before Jesus' feet and picked up their stones. And, and Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And as she looked up, her, as she kept her head down, they all walked away. And he said, where are your accusers now? Go and sin no more. And that's a picture of what God did for us as Satan was making accusations against us. And as he's making accusations against us daily, every time you sin, he wants to remind you that you're supposed to be a Christian. And you ought to look at him and say, listen, Satan, I am a Christian. My sin has been forgiven. I I stand before Christ, not in my own righteousness, but in his righteousness. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm not saying that when we sin, we ought to not feel guilty. We ought to feel guilty. Guilt is a good thing. 
Guilt is a good thing just like pain is a good thing. It may not feel good, but pain lets your brain know that something is wrong. If we did not have pain, we would continue to go on and do our normal exercise. But when I got pain in my back, my back is telling my brain that, that something here is not right and I ought to sit down. And guilt is the same way. If you feel guilty about something, it is because the spirit is convicting you and telling you that that wasn't right. And what you need to do is go sit down somewhere and find the face and presence of God and repent and he will. He will forgive your sins. Guilt becomes a bad thing when after we ask for forgiveness, we still feel guilty. It's condemnation. After we have sought the Lord and after we have cried out to God, we still feel messed up and guilty. And that's when we have to remind ourselves, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, there is now, there is, I'm sorry, verse 5 and 1, 1 says that, that we have peace with God. Because we have been justified by faith. My peace is not with God because I'm perfect. My peace with God is because of Christ and because God declared me as righteous. Remember Zechariah? See in Zechariah chapter 3, there's a man, a priest standing before God. And the Bible says that he is accompanied by our adversary or Satan. And the Bible says that, that Satan is accusing this priest before God and saying, look at this priest, your priest. He is dirty. He is filthy. He is unrighteous. But the Bible says that God spoke to the angels and that the, the angels came and took off Zachariah's natural clothes. They took off his dirty garments and they gave him new garments. And then they gave him a new turban. And that's what God does for you every morning that you rise. The Bible says grace and mercy, it follows you. If we stay in a place of repentance, if we stay in a place of humility, if we stay in a place of saying, Father, I have, for, I have sinned, but you sent your son. God takes off that old man, that old image and he imputes upon us the image or the, the declaration of Christ's righteousness. Somebody in here says, well, I still don't feel like I ought to feel about it. And I come to tell you today that what you have to understand is that when we come to Christ, we are a new creation. But even in that new creation, there's still some old things that God is still working out. When God declares somebody righteous, it does not mean that they will do, always do righteous things. But it means that God now is committed to working on and with that person. You remember a man by the name of Jacob. And the Bible says that Jacob's name meant supplanter or thief. And the Bible says that Jacob was a liar. My God, but as we read the story of Jacob, 
In Genesis, we, we see that God intervenes and does something great one night. The Bible said that Jacob began to wrestle with God. And as he wrestled with God, the Bible says that, that God was, was having a, a good time with Jacob. And, and that Jacob was struggling with God. And, and as he began to wrestle, the Bible says that, that Jacob was prevailing or almost having some victory. The Bible says that God then reached down and that he took, hit the hip of Jacob and Jacob's hip was knocked out of place. And at that time, God looked at Jacob and he said, Jacob, no longer do I call you Jacob but I call you Israel and the word Israel means to fight with God the word Israel also means my prince and the Bible says that Jacob went along at that time Jacob hopped along I imagine that Jacob wasn't feeling like a new person I imagine that Jacob was feeling broken I imagine that Jacob was hurting and I found out that that's kind of how the Christian life is. The moment we turn to faith in Christ, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be all right right away. But the moment he declares us righteous, it's a promise that in you, I'm going to work out some things. And one day you will be able to stand before me in perfect righteousness. Romans tells us that those whom God justifies, he also glorifies. That means that that those whom God declares as righteous he promises one day that he will work out that righteous thing on them you remember a man by the name of Peter who first was named Simon the Bible says that Peter was asked a question with the rest of the disciples and the question was was who do men say that I am and the disciples said some say Elijah some say Jeremiah some say this person and that person but Jesus asked a question and said but who do you say that I am and Peter stood up and said thou art the Christ the son of the living God after Peter made a declaration God then made a declaration he said Simon no longer is your name Simon but I'm now going to call you Peter Cephas which means rock and upon on this rock I build my church even though it was declared Peter was not righteous right away my God uh, I wish I had a witness in here who remembers the story of Peter and I wish you can just stand to your feet with me and, and help me work this thing out the Bible says that Peter went on following Christ but he also then denied Christ if Peter is the one whom Christ is going to make the rock of his church how in the world is that going to work how in the world is Jacob going to be the prince and he is just a regular human being well the way we need to look at this is is that when God declares us righteous even though we're not righteous at that moment God brings that thing into fruition see 
Jacob was called Israel. And the Bible says that Jacob, at that time, and once he became Israel, that he then had 12 sons. And the Bible says that out of that 12 sons, one day there came a Messiah named Jesus. But if we look at the book of Isaiah, we'll see that the Messiah is also called the Israel of God, which means the chosen one of God. And if we tie that in with Matthew, we'll see that the Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. See, Jesus is the righteous Israel. So even back then, Jacob, your identity was found in Christ. And that's what God was saying with Peter. Upon this rock, upon you and the apostles, I build my church. And why did he build his church upon some broken, beat up, and disgusting man? Because God was going to do something on the inside of him that would cause them to preach Christ and Christ crucified. I'm so glad that the God that we serve is a God that justifies and also a God that glorifies because some days I don't feel like a Christian. Sometimes I don't feel like a preacher. Sometimes I don't feel like Israel. Sometimes I don't feel like a rock. But I can't be caught up in my feelings. I gotta look at my healing and my healing flows from Jesus the Christ son of the living God when I think about God and how awesome he is it makes me want to shout the fact that every day I get to stand before him in perfect righteousness because Jesus has put his robe of righteousness on me it makes me sometimes want to sing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved the wreck like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you Jesus glory be to your name that even though I can't impress you I can show enough please you by looking at you in faith the man who had leprosy he looked at Christ in faith the man who was blind he looked at Christ in faith Peter's mother she looked at Christ in faith and that's all I'm trying to tell you today is that you're not saved my child by your works you're saved by grace through faith and every time the accuser comes up to you and tells you that you deserve hell you ought to stop right there and say you know what I've been through all the hell I'm going to go through because Jesus went to hell on Calvary's cross he took a whooping for me he took a beating for me he took some scorning for me he took some cursing for me you can't condemn me because Christ was already condemned for me try to throw it at me and I'll throw it right back at you try to hate on me and I'll start praying against you try to pull me down and all I've got to do is look up I don't have a righteousness of my own I've been justified 
declared righteous by God in favor. Touch somebody and say, God has been satisfied. That's why you have been justified. Amen. God has been satisfied. That's why you've been justified. So that woman that had that abortion a long time ago and who has put their faith and trust in Christ, don't let Satan condemn you. You are a new creation. Yeah, you still may be limping. Yeah, you still have pain and you still have trials and you still have tribulations. But God's not mad at you, sweetie. That's called a four-letter word. That's called life. That's called life. Jacob, the Bible said, was blameless. Job, Job the Bible says, was a blameless and perfect man. But yet Satan still accused him. Yet Satan still tried to bring him down. And we've got to remember in moments where we don't feel like we are a new creation, that we are a new creation because of Christ. Satan is a liar. He wants to discourage you. He wants to bring you down. He wants to break you. But touch somebody say there won't be any breaking here. Because I'm in Christ. Yes, I sin. Yes, I fall short. Yes, I'm imperfect. But yes, I'm purchased. <laughs> ransomed, 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 ransomed by the blood. Covered by the blood, walking in the blood, bathing in the blood, living in the blood, rebuking in the blood, walking in the blood, talking about the blood, singing about the blood, rapping about the blood, praising about the blood. The blood. Let the redeemed say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. amen. We praise the Lord for Jesus Christ satisfying the righteousness of God. 